we go. We're going to start uh, part two of our series of the I Am's of Jesus. And I want to start off by, by saying this because this is important and this kind of helps frame up uh, what we're going to be talking about is this. It says this, what you believe about Jesus will determine how you relate to him. And let me say that again. What you believe about Jesus will determine how you relate to him. And, and if you understand this, you, a lot of people just believe that Jesus was a good teacher, right? And so they get, you know, they get all the nice teachings. Oh, yeah, I should love others and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, no, people don't do that, obviously, as we look around the world today and realize that people aren't really loving people that well like Jesus did. If you just believe that Jesus was a good teacher, you'll miss out on salvation, right? If you just believe that Jesus was another prophet, you'll miss out on the fact that Jesus is the express image of the Father. And so what you believe about Jesus will determine how we relate to him. And if we don't believe that he's a savior, if we don't believe that he's a healer, if we don't believe he's provider, then we will not relate to him as such. Are you with me? Amen. Okay, good. So what you believe about Jesus will determine how you relate to him. And today I want to look at uh, one of the first times that Jesus says, I am. And each and every one of these is important because they're revealing the nature and the character of God. And all of God's purposes proceed from his person. So that's a fancy way of saying everything that Jesus modeled on earth, we now look at and say, that is what God is like. That is the purpose of God on earth. And so it's really important to study the life of Jesus. And every time he said something, we know it's written in red. So that's really cool. That helps us understand that this is special from the rest of it. But the fact of the matter is, all of it is important. Everything he said is as important as everything he did on earth. Amen. Now we don't have, we have a few times where we can see where Jesus is thinking, but the rest of the times, all we do is we see what he did and what he said. And so anything that he didn't said, of course, was perfect. So it's important for us to understand, okay, this is what Jesus did and this is what Jesus said. And so I should model my life after that. Amen. Jesus. Now this is the important part too, as I'm saying a whole bunch of important things right away. Jesus could not do what he did if he was not who he was. That makes sense? So everything he did, we kind of say it like this. Being precedes what? Doing, right? So Jesus cannot do the works that he did unless he was who he was. He could not do the miracles of God if he was not what? God, right? He could not do the healings of God and by the power of God if he was not God himself, right? So we see that there's this wonderful dichotomy that Jesus has to be 100% man and 100% God to be able to do what he did. Now, that comes down to us, and we say, well, how am I supposed to be like God? I'm not God, right? Well, that's what's so awesome about Jesus. Because he was fully man and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, he gives us the perfect example of how we are to live on earth as totally human, and yet we can have 100% of the Holy Spirit living with inside of us, helping us walk and live on earth. Amen? Amen. That's a good place to say it. Real loud, amen. Amen. So this is how we're supposed to live. We, we don't need Jesus just for salvation, right? But we need him for everyday life. And this is something that we always talk about and something that we, we, we continually remind ourselves is that every single day we need Jesus, whether we feel like it or not. You know, there's some days you wake up and you feel, man, I feel good. I don't need God today. You know what I mean? There's some days like, man, I need all of Jesus today. I just woke up. You know what I mean? Whatever it is. So we need to understand that every single day, we need Jesus. We need Jesus to be walking with us, guiding us, and leading us in, in everything, especially now because there's so much. It's so tricky 
You know, with people out there is everyone's got an opinion and it, a lot of them, like a hundred percent of them are wrong out there. Right. And I mean, even now I've talked to coworkers and things like that. And I'm just like, Holy Spirit, I need your help because these people are talking out of both sides of their mouth. They're saying one thing, saying, Oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? And then they say, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I believe this and I believe that. And they're two contradicting opposite, you know, ideas. You're like, you can't believe both those because you're totally in contradiction. So we need the Holy Spirit to help guide us. And this is what Jesus was, of course, the master at is the Pharisees, the religious leaders would always come and question him about everything. And he always had the perfect answer. He never once had the wrong answer. And that that's the way I want to be with everybody in, in the world is I want to be able to have the right answer to be able to say, this is what who God is. This is what he says. This is how he operates. And you get the revelation of it. And sometimes that revelation leads people to get angry at you. And sometimes it leads them to like, wow, I want Jesus, right? And uh, so let's get into the word this morning as we always do. Uh, John chapter 8 and verses 47 through 59, they'll be on the screen there. It says this, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. That's a good one right there. A great uh, what do you call that? A great promotional thing for a daily Bible reading, right? Anybody who belongs to God, which is us, we listen gladly to the word of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Uh-oh, the people retorted, you Samaritan devil. I should give a little context here. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, and uh, he's having a little conversation with them. And uh, again, whatever, Jesus says something, sometimes people love him for it, sometimes people hate him for it. This time, they hate him for it. So the people retorted, you Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? No, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Amen. Amen. The people said, now we know you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died. But you say anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Again, this is one of those things where the religious leaders, they are trying to trick him, right? They're trying to get him into words. Oh, okay. You, you think you're greater than our father Abraham? And Jesus is the master. Here's what he says. They say, are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus answered, if I want to glorify, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it is my Father who will glorify me. You say, he is our God, but you don't even know him. That's, that's what a lot of people say, don't they? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. You don't even know Jesus. You don't know nothing about Jesus. I always tell you this. I love it when people like atheists or people who are anti-Christian write articles about who Jesus really is. This is what I want to say to him. You say he is our God, but you don't even know him. You don't know God like I know God. And uh, Jesus says, I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great as a liar as you. Boom, mic drop, walk out. You know what I mean? He says, look, you're the liar. You don't know nothing. And if I said that I didn't know him, I would be as big a liar as you are saying you do know him. But I do know him. And this is how we know that he knows him. I obey him. I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, and this is the ultimate just in the face here. He says, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, say it with me, I am. At that point, okay, this is, yeah, this is how you know it gets crazy. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, before. G but Jesus was hidden from them 
and left the temple. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. God, I thank you that it is awesome and amazing. It's living and sharper and powerful. Lord, your word is what this world needs more than anything else. Lord, more than any other blog or article or whatever or video, we need Jesus' word to come into our life. And so I pray today, God, that each and every one of us would have the word and it would just flood our hearts. Lord, it would just wash over us today. Lord, wash over Los Angeles with the word of God. Get the love and the word of Jesus in their hearts. I pray today, Lord, that we are good soil. Lord, we hear the word, we receive the word, and we do the word, and we do produce a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 fold. And everybody who believed that shouted, amen and amen. Last week, we started this whole thing with this idea that Jesus is the express image. He's the visible image. He's preexistent. He's supreme. He's the redeemer. He is God. He's not a mini-me. He's not God Jr. He is fully God and fully man. He's the same as the old in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament, right? And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay. Now, in the Old Testament, in Exodus, there's this story, and many of you have heard this story before, Israel is trying to get out of Egypt. They've been, they were there when Joseph was there. Now it's been 400 years and Moses comes along and God speaks to people are crying out, God, you got to get us out of here. We're not supposed to be there. We want to be in the promised land. So God answers their prayer by sending Moses. Now Moses has this instant in life where he's going on kind of like his midlife crisis and he leaves his people and he goes out into the wilderness and he's now he's a shepherd and he's farming and all this kind of stuff. Well, he's going by and he sees this burning bush and this burning bush starts talking to him, which of course is normal, right? We all know that talking burning bushes are all, all over the place in LA. <laughs> oh no, this is a burning bush. No, it's just burning. So, <laughs> so he goes out there, he sees this burning bush and God speaks to him. And in this moment, Okay, God reveals his name. Now, everything before this and all of Gen- in all of Genesis, we see different men and men and women of God talking to God. And they have an instant where one of the most famous ones would be when God reveals his name as Jehovah Jireh. He's the God who provides. He's El Eli. He's the one who's providing for us. Abraham is there. He's going to sacrifice his only begotten son, Isaac. And in the min- in the minute where he's about to sacrifice him, all of a sudden there's a ram in the thicket and God says, no. I want you to sacrifice that ram and God. And at that moment, Abraham says, you are the God who provides. Okay. We see this all throughout the old Testament. There's different moments where God is being, and he's revealing a portion of himself, but he's never given his full name. Okay. So in this moment, God says, I have a name, Moses, and here's what it is. It is Yahweh. Okay, we know that name. We've used it before. But this name throughout the rest of history became so holy that even the Jewish writers who are recording, they won't even write the name of God. So they just put YHWH and they just putting in places. And a lot of times they don't even want to, they don't even want to speak the name of God because his name is so holy. So they'll just, you just breathe it. Like, well, I don't want to get caught saying it because I don't know what's going to happen. The name is so holy. That's how powerful this name is. And so all throughout this time there, they're just barely, you know, they're writing it. Sometimes they would just even write a two letters above it. They wouldn't even write his name down. The name was so holy because this is God. He's saying, man, God's name is so holy. I don't even want to mention it. Okay, this is what this is so awesome. So God reveals to Moses and tells the world that the God of heaven, the creator of earth, has a name, and its name is Yahweh. And so we wonder, well, what does that name mean? Now, in the first part, Yahweh means I am. 
Okay, more elaborately, it means I am that I am. And we have to kind of understand, say, God, I don't know if you understand human language. I am that I am is not really a name, right? We know that if you're going to call yourself a name, you have to say I am, and then you put a noun there, right? It doesn't matter what language you're speaking, French, Spanish, Italian, Filipino, Tagalog, you know, whatever it is, you you have to put I am so-and-so, right? I called myself this name. Well, when you're God, you can just say, I am. That is my name. I, I am God. I am the God. I am. So if God says I am, then what he's saying is I am everything that you need, right? I'm all that you desire. I'm all of your provision. I'm all of your healing. I'm all of your wants. I'm all of your dreams. I am everything. He can just simply say I am. And that's it. That is the noun. He is I am. Other religions at that time, but even still to this day, they, they don't have an I am God, right? If you wanted crops and you had to go to the crop God and you had to ask him, okay, we got to worship this crop God over here. If you wanted rain, you had to go to the rain God. If you wanted, if you were a fisherman and you needed to catch fish, then you had to go to the fish God. You know what I mean? And all we see all throughout history, there's all this polytheism, many gods out there. And if you wanted a God for something, now, now today you got to have a business God, right? You got to have a business guru and he's got the, the guru has got to tell you what to do and he's got to mentor you and show you all the right things to do. We have one God and we can just go to him and he'll answer all of our questions. Isn't that awesome? He's the I am God. Amen. There is no other name higher than that name. He's stronger, greater, better, more perfect. And there is no greater name than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is. He just, that's all it is. And so we're looking at this going, okay, here's I am. And Moses sees him, says, this is the I am God. He has this huge revelation from that time on. To say the name I am is only ascribed to one person, right? And that's God, okay? So let's get back to Jesus. In our passage now, in John, we see Jesus, and he tells the people, before Abraham was, I am, right? Okay, so now all of a sudden we're getting into a little bit of an interaction. Now, before this, you, we didn't read it, but before this, Jesus says, whatever I see, I only tell you what the Father tells me. I only speak what I see the Father doing. And they say, he's not your father. You know what I mean? God's not your father. Our father is Abraham, and we know him. We know that this is not your God. And They, they even call him because Joseph wasn't Jesus' real father, right? Remember that story in, in the very beginning of Luke and John and Matthew and all that kind of stuff? They, G, the Holy Spirit, God, overshadowed Mary through a virgin birth, and Jesus was born. And so they say, you're actually a son of fornication. You are a child out of wedlock. So we know who your quote-unquote father is, is nobody. Right. And so Jesus says, I don't think you understand who my real father is. He says, if you really knew Abraham, if you were really one of Abraham's kids, you wouldn't be trying to kill me. Right. And he said, they, they, so then Jesus drops this on him. You, this is all before we got into our passage. He says, you are of the father, your father, the devil. That, and then he, you know, he walks away, comes back. You know what I mean? Oh, I wanted to say a couple more things before I left. You know, I'm gonna let you finish, but. You're of the Father. You're devil. You know what I mean? The devil. And that, that, that's kind of rude. You know what I mean? Especially when you consider this is, these are Pharisees. You know what I mean? These are guys who have been born quote, into sort of a priesthood. You know? And so they've been doing this all their life. They've memorized all the Torah, all the five books. And if you've ever read the first five books, the Bible, those are the long ones. Right? 
And those are the tedious ones. Go ahead and read Leviticus and give me a summary. Tell me what your top 30 laws are, okay? You know what I mean? The ones with the scab and the white scab and the red scab. How should I be cleaning this? Memorize that stuff, okay? So they're memorizing all this stuff, and they're saying, no, we know who our father is. Our father is Abraham. We know it. He's the father of our faith. He's the one we follow. And Jesus says, I don't think you got understand this. You, your father is not Abraham. Your father is the devil. He is the liar. He is the father of lies, and you are just like him, okay? Your desire, the desire of the devil, is always to hate, murder, push God out of the world. And he's basically telling him this. He says, look, you're like your father, the devil, who's always hating on people. He's always trying to murder people. He's always trying to push God out of the arena because that's who he is. That's what he is. That's the nature of the devil. Those, Jesus says, those are not my father's desires. His desires are always of love and reconciliation and peace and grace and mercy. Those are the desires of my Father in heaven. Amen? And we begin to see this now. This is how this is relevant for today. Who is our Father? We know immediately Jesus said this, and he said it so clearly. We can judge people. We can know them by their fruits. So people always say, Christians are judgmental. No, we're just fruit inspectors. So if you say, I love God, and you're not obeying God, then easily all I have to do is inspect your fruit, right? I had someone, I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago, and they were telling me about how they, they, they called themselves a Christian, all this kind of stuff. And then a couple of days later, they said to me, this may be a dumb question, but what is the difference between a priest and a pastor? And I was like... You know, no problem. I have no problem answering that. And, and it's not a dumb question. It's a good question. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking fruit inspection. You know what I mean? The fruit inspector light is going off. Bad fruit, bad fruit, bad fruit. If you say you're a Christian and you, you don't know the difference between a Catholic priest and a Christian pastor, you know what I mean? There's some big differences there. I don't need you to confess to me. Just so you know, you go to a Catholic priest, you want to confess. That's up to you, your business. But I can, we can just go straight to Jesus. Thank God for that. We don't have to go through anybody else. That's an Old Testament pattern. Jesus rend the veil and says, hey, come on in. Come to my throne boldly and come to my throne of grace and you can receive mercy and grace in time of need. And I knew, I didn't, I didn't judge you. I didn't say, you obviously are not a Christian. But in the back of my mind, the fruit inspector light went on, ding, 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 ding. Not a Christian yet, not a full understanding, right? Because if you did, then you would know to just go straight to Jesus, right? And so this is what I'm saying. I didn't judge them. I didn't say they were a bad person. I didn't say they were evil or doing anything wrong per se so much as I just saw the fruit of a lack of relationship. And this is what Jesus is saying in, is in this passage. He's saying, look, if you say you're of my father, the father I know in heaven, and you're trying to kill me, that that is bad fruit, right? Right? Murder is bad fruit, okay? Everyone wave at me and say, yes, that's bad fruit. Okay, yeah, okay, good. you're still with me? So yeah, murder is bad fruit, okay? Lying is bad fruit. Hating is bad fruit. And he's saying, these are the things that you are doing over here. And you are saying your father is the same father. And I'm telling you, our fathers are different. You have the father of lies because you think you know it all. And I have the real father because I do know it all. And I'm telling you what it is. Amen? And so this is what's crazy is that in the midst of this, those guys are getting madder and madder and madder because Jesus is confronting them with the truth. And this is this is the reality of the world we live in. Anytime we confront people with truth, they will get angry. They will get mad at you. And that is not fun. I, I, I you know, I mean, I'm a middle born, so I like it when people like me. 
and I don't like people to not like me, right? But when it comes to some like firstborns and lastborns, they don't give a rip. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't like me, tough beans. I got a thousand friends over here, but I like people. You know what I mean? I'm not a man pleaser. I'm a pleaser of Jesus, but you get the feeling, right? You understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't want people to hate me, but when it comes to the Bible, they probably will. That's just what Jesus says. He says, because of me, because of Jesus, they were going to hate you. Why? Because we have the truth and we tell them the truth. During the debates, one of the candidates who will remain nameless at this moment, but she said, she says, I want to, I want to keep the borders clean because I don't want families being ripped apart. Okay. That's the words. Families torn apart, ripped apart. And in the same breath says, I want to protect a woman's right to choose. So you don't want to separate families, right? But you're willing to destroy children in abortion. That, that, that's hate. When you, and you bring that to someone and you say, how could you vote for somebody who says that, who will, who will support murder? And it's, you can't say that. That's not murder. That's a woman's right. To, no, no, no. Don't, don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies. It's murder. Doesn't matter what trimester, what semester, any part of it, anytime you kill a human life, that's murder. Call it whatever you want. Put any kind of name over it. Paint it whatever colors you want to whitewash every single tomb in the cemetery. That is death, right? And people hate that. They say, oh, well, didn't you hear what this candidate said? He said all these nasty things. He did. I agree, 100%. Nasty, totally nasty, totally uncalled for. But listen, we got to stop things where they're supposed to be. We got to stop the bleeding. No, no murder. No more murder. 50 million. One one famous uh, politician, he says, I've noticed that everybody who is for abortion is alive. Right? That makes that's a, that's a real eye-opening statement. Hashtag stay woke. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, like, everyone, yeah, okay, okay, well, of course you're for it. You're living. Ask the person, you know what I mean? Ask the baby, you know what I mean? Who's, yeah, okay, you get the point, right? So Jesus is saying this stuff, and, and he's, and this is the, this, this is the world that we're living in, okay? And then I'm trying to bring a little bit of reality to it and, and understand and, and be semi-comfortable that when we tell people the truth, they will not like it. And I mean, if somebody asks you this, and we're, we're believers here and we're mature, and if somebody were to ask you, do you believe that I'm going to hell because I don't believe in Jesus? Nobody wants to answer that question, right? And I mean, like, especially if they're a friend or whatever, but the reality is, Yes, you know, and there's no nice way to say that. Well, what I believe is that if you don't accept Jesus, you will go to hell. So you're saying yes. Well, yes, I am saying yes, right? That, they're not going to like that. How could you believe? How could a good God send people to hell? He's not sending people to hell. You're sending yourself there by not receiving him, by not accepting him, right? And that, again, these are not fun conversations to have with people, but this is what the truth says. And the truth is so much greater than the lie. If people would just accept Jesus and, and have their sins taken off them, we all know how great that experience is, right? And it's so much better than them living in the sin and, and being confused and living under the lie. And we have to say, let me tell you something. I believe that if you accept Jesus, you will go to heaven. That's the better way of putting it right you can come out of the bondage you can come out of the hurt out of the wounds out of all the stuff that you're in and you can have jesus and that would be a better life doesn't that sound better than any other option out there and hopefully we would all say yes to that so you can see how this is making people even matter jesus is dismantling everything they know about god and his words and then he goes on and he does two other things the first thing he does is he says to them i am greater than abraham 
Okay, now that's kind of an affront to that. You know, you have to understand Abraham was is the father of the faith. And not only for Christianity, right, but he's also a father of faith for Jews. He's also a father of faith for even Islam. They say, oh yeah, we came from Abraham. Ishmael side, okay, not the Isaac side. But we understand that this is a father of faith. So when somebody comes along and says, I'm greater than your father, that that's a smack in the face. And he's verbally just going by saying, wah-pah, wah-pah. You know what I mean? You are now, I'm slapping you in the face and saying, I am greater than Abraham. He's not dis- dissing Abe. He's not saying, you know, Abe's bad. Or he's just saying, I'm greater than him. I'm greater than him because I'm the one who created him. I'm the one who visited him. I'm the one who spoke to him. I'm the one who enabled him to be the father of faith. That doesn't sit well with them at all because they spent years studying in the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, all this stuff. And here comes this 30-year-old punk and says, I'm greater than Abraham. I was before Abraham. And they say to him, you're not even 50 years old yet. Like, why would, like, it's, we're talking hundreds of years here, guys. Like, why wouldn't they not say, you're not even like 100 years old? You know what I mean? 50 years old, obviously, it's 400, 600, no, like 1,600 years before that. You know what I mean? So saying 50 years is kind of lame anyway. Like, you're not even 50. We're talking about 1,600 years here. Like, so what? You know what I mean? I'm way younger than him, obviously. But it confronts everything they understood about God and everything they understood about his words. How can you be before Abraham and standing right here in front of us? And their conclusion, of course, is you must be possessed by a devil. That's the only logical conclusion here. The stuff that you're saying is crazy. You are a lunatic, Right. And then he goes on to say this. He goes on, just takes it one step further. He says, he not only did he calls himself greater than Abraham, he says, before Abraham was, what? I am. Okay, so now he takes it even one step deeper and says, I'm not only before Abraham, I'm not only greater than Abraham, I am. And that is like the big slap in the face, kicking the shins, whatever, punching the teeth, all this stuff. Now he's saying, look, not only am I before Abraham, not only am I greater than Abraham, I am. The same name that God gave himself to Moses and revealed and changed the course of Israel for the rest of the world's history. He says, I am that name. I am the one that you have been worshiping all this time. And because you're not Abraham's kids, you don't understand that the one you've been talking about and worshiping and studying, I am that God. That messes with people. And this is what keeps driving religious leaders and even people to this day. It keeps driving them crazy. Number one, you can't say you're God. There's only one God. He's in heaven. We know that he doesn't come down. He doesn't visit his people. Okay. Another thing people say is there is no God. So stop running around saying that he is God because Jesus is not God. Right. Then other things people would say is, well, he's not my God. I worship this God over here and he's the one, one true God. And then another thing people would say is, is that, that you can't be sure Jesus is the only one. He's not the really only one God. There's many ways to get to heaven. And we say, no, Jesus is the only way. He's the way, the truth and the life. And no one gets to the father except through him. And so people get mad when we declare that kind of stuff. When we say Jesus Christ is Lord, people can't handle it. One of the things we see in, in Revelation is, 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 is called the, the dragon is in there, okay? And the dragon is, is 
always representing the rage, the wrath of Satan. And so the dragon is released on earth in the end times. And the dragon just goes and just kills and hates and murders and brings destruction. And, and the rage, the wrath of Satan comes. You see that dragon come out of people. You can't say that there is that Jesus is the only one. There is no God. You can't. This is one of the prime reasons why, why we homeschool is that the world system is the most closed-minded system there is out there. They only want to tell you one point of view, and that one point of view comes from the father of lies. Now, you make your own decision on what you want to do with your kids, but for us, we've chosen to homeschool and tell them about Jesus and how Jesus affects everything so that one day when they get to a place of maturity and they can handle that intake of information, that they know what to do with it, not just being bombarded with it on a daily basis. Like I said, do what you want to do with your kids. That's just why we do it with ours. So that when they get to it, they can handle the wrath of people, the wrath of the, the dragon coming at them. You can't say Jesus is Lord. Yeah, I can, and I will. I'm going to do it till he comes back because he is. Amen? Amen. So the rage comes bursting forth. You can't be sure. you got no proof. You don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. That's what people say who need a spiritual crutch. You know what I mean? All these things that they say, they say that because they're angry. Sometimes they've been hurt by a church. Sometimes they've been hurt by somebody who said they were a Christian and was not really a Christian. We all know those kind of people out there in the world, right? They say they're this. And we, I mean, every politician in America says they're a Christian. And we can just go and just bring out the fruit inspector glasses and go, nope, 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 nope. All the way down there. Are you judging? No, I'm just telling you, you got bad fruit. You might want to get rid of it. Guess what? Jesus will take your old bad fruit and give you good fruit. Thank God for that. Amen. So we just go through and say, well, we recognize this and people get mad though because they're hurt because they're wounded because they don't know what to do they're confused they're caught in lies and they don't like it when somebody has the truth especially in this current generation which has been raised up in ambig ambiguity and people saying well there is no god we don't know what's really true what's really out there so uh, kind of do your own thing do whatever you want to do all that kind of stuff you know and jesus comes through cuts through all the clutter and says no this is what the truth is and the world can't handle it. So they get mad at us. Sadly, this comes out of every single one of us at some point or another. We get mad because the truth is coming in and it doesn't line up with who we are. Ever had that happen where all of a sudden the word comes in and you're like, rat. I know God is right. I know he's right. But I don't want him to be right because I'm totally wrong in this. Before, before our passage, it says this in John eight thirty seven. it says this. You are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I can't, I can't make up a better verse than that for today, for this message, for this world. As we are trying to hurt each other, kill each other, divide each other, beat each other up across this nation, even within the church. Why? Because there's no room for Jesus in our hearts. We have pushed him out. We've crowded the one and only person who can actually help us. We've crowded them out with our ambitions, with our wants, with our me first mentality, our preferences, our idols, ourselves. We, we push out Jesus. We push him further and further out of our life because of all the things that we do. And guess what? The world is geared to push Jesus out. Like I said in that passage, here's the religious leaders and they're crowded. They're trying to crowd out the son of God out of the temple out of their lives, out of the people's lives. They're trying to stone him. At one point in one of the, in, the, in the Gospels, they want to throw him off the brow of a hill, which is like the edge of a hill, I guess. I don't know why they call it the brow, but it's very descriptive. 
right off the brow of the hill. You know what I mean? And they, they, they want to just crowd out Jesus. I was talking to a, a friend and they were, they had this Fitbit on and they were talking about it and they said, Oh, do you want to get one? I said, you know, I don't really want one because I don't really care. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, because everything about that Fitbit begins to think about everything puts it back on you. How many steps, how many hours, how's my heartbeat? How's my water? How's my food? How's me, me, me. And it just gets focused on ourselves completely so that everything, everything in the world is now based around my preferences. What is that? That's a fancy way of saying self-centeredness. How do I want this to be? And when we come to Jesus, we say, Lord, I don't have any preferences. I have whatever you have. There's this, there's this teaching that I'll do uh, in, in, one of our, in one of our workshops called The Roots of Character, and it talks about the, the rights that we no longer have because of what Jesus laid down. It's like, I no longer have the right to do my own thing. That's the first one. Last week I said this, we were created for God, for Jesus. So my right to do my own thing is absolved, and now I get to do God's thing. And you think, well, my, my stuff is better. No, Jesus' rights are way better. They bring actual liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So what our job is, we need to kick ourselves out. There was this old track that used to pass around and you go and witness with, and there was these two circles. And the first circle was, this is the way my life is. And in the middle of the circle, there was this throne and on the throne was a little man. It says, that's you. You're sitting on the throne and all the stuff was chaotic around it, you know, bills and emotions and all this stuff. And the next circle was this nice orderly circle. And on the it was a nice little chair. And on the chair was the cross with a little crown on it. And everything was nice and neat and order in order. And it was like, well, what's this circle? This is your life with Jesus on the throne. You've kicked yourself off the throne. You're not a very good ruler, FYI. None of us are good rulers of our own lives. So we kick ourselves out of the driver's seat, right? Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel. This whole mentality of like, you're a bad driver. Let Jesus take the wheel. Even Tesla knows that we're bad drivers and he wants to make it so that we don't even drive ourselves. The car automatically drives. And this is what Jesus has been saying all along. You're not very good at running your life. Let me take over for you and I'll show you a better better way. I'll show you the right way to live because I lived it first. Amen. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not clever enough. We can't hustle enough. We're not creative enough to do it on our own. And this is what happens when Jesus comes in. The I am comes in. He confronts our reality and we begin to say, okay, I am not God. I cannot do what only he can do. He has to do it. And so I bow myself and say, you know what? I recognize that you are Jesus and the mentality that he gives cuts through all of our mentalities, goes straight into our heart. And we recognize that, yep, I've crowded out the message of Jesus. I've crowded out the words of Jesus because I thought I could do this on my own. I thought I could do it better. I thought I could do it faster. Whatever it is, we've got to crowd ourselves, kick ourselves off the throne, declutter the room, and let Jesus come in and rest in our heart and let him overcrowd and overwhelm our hearts so that we can become like him the way he's designed so that we can have life and life more abundantly. Amen? Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, before you and I were, before all of us, the lamb who was slain is, I am. And in that same instant, just like Moses had that big revelation and realized, 
I am that I am. This is God who calls himself the everything God. He is everything. We have to recognize and make that same decision that God is everything or is nothing in our lives. There's nothing in between. There is no middle ground. You don't get to be a part-time Christian or a part-time disciple or a little bit here, a little bit there. No, we've got to go straight and say, Jesus, you are, and I am following you. Amen. Amen.